by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob, joined as always by Hani. It has been a long time since we last talked to you. Uh, I believe it was December 19th when we last did our podcast. Uh, holidays meant that we did not record a couple of episodes. And boy, a lot has happened since we last talked, uh, Hani. How was your uh, holidays, and uh, how much are you enjoying the Lakers right now? Uh, honestly, maybe maybe we need to stop doing podcasts if they're going to be having five game win streaks while we're while we're not recording. Um, holidays was I'm willing to take. <laughs> uh, holidays were were pretty good. Uh, I took a pretty long break from the Lakers during that vacation as well. Didn't watch a whole lot of games, uh, but definitely been watching since I since I got back home uh, in the last week or so. And yeah, the Lakers are are looking much better than than anticipated. I would say. So I went back and looked this up when we last did our podcast. We I there were ten games since we last podcast and i asked you then what the record would be for the lakers in those 10 games do you remember what you said uh absolutely not (laughs) i didn't remember mine either you said four and six i was a little more optimistic at five and five the lakers exceeded even that they went six and four in the 10 game stretch that uh since we last spoke it's a, been an interesting ride, though, because when we last did this, we had no idea about Anthony Davis's injury. We weren't optimistic, and the Lakers proceeded to lose five of six games. LeBron James yelled at the front office, and then the Lakers won five of six or six of seven games, even. So, the the most recent of those two being this weekend or this past weekend, as most of you are listening to this, they beat Atlanta at home on Friday, fairly comfortable win, and then win at Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back, a far more competitive game. I, I don't want to dive too deep into necessarily recapping these, but what has been your takeaway from these two wins? Um. I think it's hard not to focus on some of these guys that have really stepped up and in, in the absences that the Lakers have had. Because obviously we've talked about Anthony Davis missing uh, time over the stretch, but Lonnie Walker has also missed the last five games that the Lakers have won. Uh, Austin Reeves has been missing the last couple of games. And these are two of the guys that I think we've consistently mentioned as top five players for the Lakers this season. Um Troy Brown Jr. has also missed some time, a little bit uh, lower on the totem pole, but still, uh, you know, a rotation player that that hasn't been there for them. And guys like Dennis Schroeder um, have really stepped up. I, I think he's been incredibly impressive. It, it kind of reminds you of uh, that stretch in his first uh, stint with the Lakers, where where he really helped carry them into the playoffs with injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, that season. Um, and then uh, I think one of the stories of the season so far, Thomas Bryant 
Um, he's just been incredible since AD went down. He's, you know, obviously he's never going to be Anthony Davis, but he's, he's giving you a lot of the production that, that a guy like AD does, uh, just playing completely above his head, giving so much energy, uh, playing a lot of minutes, you know, as, as somebody that, that has obviously still pretty recently come back from an AC altar. Uh, it's been really impressive watching those two in particular really, really step up and, and help LeBron, who uh, is also having probably his best stretch of the season um, at the same time. There, I, We're going to put a pin in the discussion on Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder because I, I do want to talk about them specifically. There's a lot of ways you can go with this, though, as you, as you kind of did. A lot of guys have stepped up in a number of different ways. Russ has looked good. <laughs> like he, he continues to uh, impress. And I think really the last couple of weeks maybe is playing his best basketball maybe since he's been a Laker. Yeah. Uh, at least for an extended, <clears throat> excuse me, at least for an extended stretch. He had 18, 11, and 9 against Atlanta and then 23, 15 assists, 5 rebounds against Sacramento. To a certain extent, it's kind of oversimplifying things, but LeBron and Russ have just kind of figured out how to play with one another. I Somebody posted this on Reddit. I didn't believe them because it was a Reddit screenshot with no context, so I went and looked myself. Over the last 13 games, if I set the over-under at 15 for the net rating for LeBron and Russ... Would you take the over or under? I mean, if you had to preface this with <laughs> them having learned how to play with each other, I would have gone with the under, but now I want to go with the over. <laughs> if I said it at 20, would you take the over or under? Probably under. You take the under at 20. Yeah. In 159 minutes over the last 13 games, Russ and LeBron have a net rating of 28.5. Goodness. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. Like I said, I saw it on Reddit and I thought, oh, well, that's like small sample size or they they changed some things around. No, it's simply the Lakers are uh, those two have played in 10 of those last 13 games for the Lakers. They're seven and three in those games to a certain extent. It's just simply having what should be your two best players figure a lot of things out. There's obviously a lot of other guys that have played really well but I feel like we have to at least mention LeBron and the absurd stretch he's on yeah I don't even know how to like put this into words and that just is kind of a recurring trend with LeBron like he defies logic he's had so many remarkable games during this stretch uh in Atlanta on his birthday uh Saturday and Sacramento I mean, can you do anything but marvel at him, basically? No, I mean, it's really crazy because uh, I think we as basketball fans have probably gotten used to LeBron starting off some of these seasons pretty slow and, and coming into uh, into form later on. But even with that, I think this season, the way that he started the year, there was a lot of talk about, oh man, this might be it. Like, like he's finally kind of starting to drop off a little bit. Um, it, it just seemed even, even relative to to the slow starts that he usually has, it, it seemed to be uh, at, a, at a different lower level. 
but ever since then, I mean, at some point he flipped the switch again and, and he's been incredible and he's carrying this team, especially with AD out. Um, just putting up huge, huge numbers every other night. And yeah, it's just amazing to, to really watch that. A, a guy in his 20th season still dominating and, uh, that Hawks game, especially in, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about the second Hawks game because I didn't watch the first one on his birthday, but, uh, that was definitely a Hawks team that, that did not really care much. And it looked like they were trying to get their coach fired. So there's a little bit of an asterisk on everything in that game, but the, the way that he was just like outrunning this like pretty young team down the floor every time and just like demolishing them in transition to the point where like none of them wanted anything to do with them anymore was incredible. Like the, it, it's just like, I, I, I don't know when we'll ever see like just physically uh, like you, you take away all the skill and, and, and all of that away from it, which is insane as well, but just physically somebody at this point in their career, like still dominating guys I don't know when we'll ever see that again. It's it's amazing. I don't think we will. It's um, that first Hawks game. I didn't see the second one. I saw the first one was I don't think they were actively sabotaging their coach as much that night. Uh, LeBron was unbelievable in that first Hawks game on his birthday. Honestly, will go down as one of my favorite games LeBron played as a Laker. It was absolutely wild what he was doing, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. It comes on his birthday. He always has a flair for the dramatic. If you go back to when, since AD has gone down, leading the team in net rating are Russ and LeBron, 7.6, 7.3. And then the Lakers are never worse than when Russ or LeBron sits. uh, The Lakers are basically... 20 points better when LeBron's on the court versus on it and 15, 16 points better when Russ is on the court versus off it. And as much as, like I was saying, as much as the role players have really stepped up in a number of ways, a lot of it I think boils down to your two stars kind of carrying the burden. And those two have done that, especially during this win streak. Now, As you mentioned earlier, we need to talk about Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder. Again, I'm going to oversimplify some things a bit, but the Lakers started the year 3-10. and Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder did not play in a single one of those games. They're 16-11 and with the two of them in the rotation. It's not as simple as if Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder were healthy, we'd be a playoff team right now. But what is it about those two that – seem to elevate the Lakers this season? Um, well, I, let's go one by one, I guess. Uh, yeah. With Shooter, I think he is um, – there, there's a couple of things that he brings that I think the, the other players on this roster don't necessarily do quite as well uh, in terms of the role players especially. One is that I, I think in terms of a point of attack defender – uh, for you know, just depending on their team's point guards, um, I think he's pretty clearly the best one on this team. You know, he, he's a guy that is going to be getting around screens. He is very disruptive. He has good hands. Uh, going to get some deflections, even though he's undersized and he can kind of get bullied uh, a little bit because of that. He is really feisty on the defensive end. Um, 
And again, that's something that we saw as, as first. And uh, I, I will almost never forget like the just the image of him like flying in the in the air uh, in Superman pose, going for a loose ball. Um, he's definitely very much capable of that, and I think that's really important for this Lakers team, especially with AD out. They they just need to be better at the point of attack because they're not going to have somebody behind to to clean up any of those defensive mistakes uh, the the way that he does. Um, Offensively as well, I think, uh, you know, he he brings a little bit of sort of like herky-jerky, chaotic movement into this team that, that other guards don't really bring. Uh, he's, he's a little bit more um, unpredictable, uh, I would say. He's uh, able to, you know, kind of attack to the rim uh, with, his, with his speed, but he's also able to pull up for jumpers. Uh, his change of pace is, is really impressive. Um, and this season he's shooting the hell out of the ball. He's, I think, uh, I think going into last night, he was over 38% and then I'm pretty sure he hit all of his threes again last night. 40.7% um, from three. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you give LeBron, uh, a point guard that, that can hit 40% of his threes. He can pull up or get to the rim. And that is kind of a, the, the makings of a pretty perfect and ideal LeBron teammate. Um, as far as Thomas Bryant goes, I think for one, it, it's his energy. Like it's just super infectious. It makes makes all the other players uh, play as hard as he does. He's definitely not a perfect player. He has flaws. He's defensively, I, I think he has <laughs> uh, he, he has some issues. He's not going to protect the rim the way that AD does. But uh, his energy just makes things happen. Um, he is uh, his rebounding. I think has been massive since AD has has been out. He it's almost always just contesting every rebound. Even if he doesn't cleanly get a rebound, uh, he uses his length and his body to just sort of cause deflections and, and they get a lot of offensive rebounds that way because of him. Um, and again, he has like really good chemistry with LeBron and Russ, I would say. Uh, he, he just runs runs to the rim really hard. He has great hands. Um, I don't think anything that, that, like any of the shots that he puts up are, are necessarily difficult. He, he just puts himself in really good positions and he's got a couple of all time uh, players in, in terms of their ability to, to find somebody like that. So uh, he's just kind of been a really perfect fit for them. Um, I think LeBron might've mentioned this uh, post game after the Sacramento game, but uh, you kind of start wondering, you know, once AD comes back, is Thomas Bryant kind of going to keep the starting spot and they're just going to play a lot bigger uh, than they did earlier this season? We'll see. It doesn't seem like that's something that Darvin Ham wants to do, but he's making a uh, definitely a tough decision to bench him uh, once AD comes back, whenever that is. Yeah, you get some, I think the phrase LeBron used was visions of him, AD and Thomas Bryant out there and in some ways it reminds you of kind of the bigger, faster, stronger play style the Lakers had when they won the title since eighties gone down, it, which including that Denver game, which he left, I think halfway through Thomas Bryant is averaging 17.2 points, 10.2 rebounds, shooting 68% from the field, 55% from three on one and a half attempts, a, attempts a game. And, I think as much as anything, which isn't measured in a box score, you said it, it's the energy level he plays with that is infectious and the motor he plays with, he is, he never stops. And it, his minutes have gone up as he's played 
better and better, his motor doesn't drop. There's multiple times that Miami game that LeBron didn't even play in. He was fourth quarter just wearing guys down on the glass. They were switching, and he was taking advantage of those switches and just offensive glass. He was fighting for everything down the stretch, and it's that type of effort and intensity. The Lakers certainly didn't have it last year, and to a certain extent, I don't know how much they had it at the beginning of this season. As, as much as anything, I think that's what he brings. He has really good hands, which is, is kind of goes in line with what you were saying about just being kind of available and in the right spot uh, with Schroeder or LeBron or Russ driving to the rim. On top of that, you have to be able to catch the ball, which the Lakers have had many guys that cannot do that. He's very good at that. Schroeder has... I don't know what happened last year. I didn't watch. Um, I didn't watch him in Boston because he was on the Celtics, and I didn't watch. <laughs> didn't watch him in Houston because they were awful. He looks like the guy that played with the Lakers like <laughs> the year before that. He's been better than that even yeah. this season. But like this is largely speaking the guy that I remember the Lakers offering eighty million dollars to. He's he and like he's shooting better from the field. He's shooting better from the three-point line. He's shooting better from the free throw line. He's not scoring as much, but that's simply because he's taking about three less shots a game. But this is like the guy that the Lakers had that COVID season, that COVID-shortened season. They just have him on a minimum contract now, which is wild to think about. You laid it out why he's such a good fit next to LeBron, but... I think also in that Miami game, he showed he can still get his. Like at the end of that Miami game, they were just spreading out and he was just blowing by Victor Oladipo and getting to the rim. And he still has that ability to create for himself while also shooting 40% from three, which I, I don't think sustainable, but it is dwarfing any other season outside of that one OKC season, yeah. it's just dwarfing what he shot from three at any point in his career. So the two of them basically having career years so far is huge for the Lakers. You have to, when you sign these minimum guys and you rely on them, you have to get more production than their value, basically. Mm-hmm. The especially for title contending teams, or if you want to win a title, you have to have guys play better than their contracts. These two are far exceeding their contracts right now. They're both going to, they're neither of them are going to be veteran minimum guys next season. So that will go to a point that we might talk about later about trades. But I, I think just the way these two have stepped up since 80s gone down is enormous. And is the reason the Lakers are not only staying afloat, but they're kind of in the thick of this playoff race now. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about some trade stuff and whether LeBron wants a trade or doesn't and that whole fiasco. Uh, We'll do all that here in just a moment. So a odd story came out on Sunday. It's probably the nicest way I can Describe it uh, from Sam Amick, who talked to LeBron 
after the win over the Kings. I don't know that LeBron wanted to talk to any or to Sam Amick based on the quotes. And Sam Amick was definitely searching for a specific type of answer with the question he was asking. And I say question because he asked the same thing like seven times in this conversation. But ultimately, the quote that he got that everyone kind of ran with was asking him how he feels basically about the the patience level the Lakers front office has right now. And he said, I'm doing what's best for my guys in the locker room. That's all I can worry about. Y'all know what the F should be happening. I don't need to talk. Now, LeBron tweeted on Sunday afternoon that he didn't want it to be construed that he's losing patience with anybody within the Lakers. But the Lakers, I think, need to make a trade. And like, this is not the first time... LeBron has done this. He he did it after that Miami game. He talked about how he wants to compete for titles and they're not doing that. How is there an, an increased sense of urgency at all for you, for the Lakers to make a trade with how well they're playing right now? Yeah, I think like I have been on this pendulum of, you know, do you trade assets to try to salvage the season or do you kind of just wait for Russ's contract to come off the books and um, and, and just go for a, a better chance in the offseason? And I think based off of these last few games, which is probably a dangerous way of, of making a, any sort of decision if you're an actual front office, but uh, based off of how they've been playing, uh, I have definitely swung towards the direction of, yeah, they should probably make some sort of trade and, and try to make a run this season. Um, I think they have the players, uh, you know, with the way that Schroeder and Thomas Bryan have played uh, recently uh, or since, you know, they've, they've come into the team and the way that Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker have played uh, really the entire season. Um, on top of LeBron and AD, obviously, I think they they have the makings of a pretty solid rotation that just needs a, a good like third and fourth best player, uh, so that it just kind of brings everybody else down to a level that that you would expect from them, and that seems doable. Um, I, I'm not really sure what that trade is. I, I don't know if it's the Buddy Hield and Miles Turner one. Um, you know. Maybe maybe you don't love the idea of trading for Miles Turner anymore because of the way Thomas Bryan is playing. I, I don't know. The uh, the specifics of, of what a trade would be, uh, I'm not really sure about. And obviously that, that is very important in terms of deciding whether you actually do a trade or not. But I, I do think there is some urgency to, to salvage the season because it seems possible um you know they're they're looking into the plan picture right now they're right there with, with some of these teams and a lot of them are very much dropping off of a cliff like the utah jazz for example like they're going to be able to surpass the, that team um i think they're only two games out of the five seed right now like there's a good chance that the lakers if they make the right trade are able to even avoid the play and and, and get into the playoffs um and while i think they don't really like i, I I don't think they necessarily need to make decisions based off of whatever pressure that LeBron is putting on them because they need to do what is best for the franchise. And that is looking obviously currently and in the future. 
um, with and without LeBron. Um, but I do think they, they kind of owe it to the way that both LeBron and AD have, have played this season. The, the performances that they put up, both of them have been at really all NBA to MVP level uh, players this season. And I, I think you can't really waste a year of that. So I, I do think there's some urgency right there of, of giving them a chance of competing in the playoffs. To maybe try to set ex- expectations a bit, my thought is, largely speaking, if the Lakers did not overreact to starting 2 of 10, I do not know that they will overreact to winning 5 of 6 games in December and January. I don't know that you can straight up just compare the two, because obviously that was starting the season 2 and 10. There's a lot of leeway there. And as you said, now you're at a point where you're in the playoff race. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I I think that you, I, I do think you need to make a trade. And there are still pieces that you can trade without going all in. I'll, I'll say this first before I, I talk about that. What are your thoughts on trading Russ at this point? Because... I mean, as we said in the first segment, he is clearly producing and helping the Lakers win games of late. He was—I mean, he's been better as a six-man this year. What are you? I mean, are you still actively shopping him right now? Um. Yes, I think short answer would be yes. Uh, you're right that he has played a lot better, um, and I do think. Uh, he has been one of the major reasons why the Lakers are playing better recently um, and, and are winning games. And uh, I don't think that should be understated, but I also don't fully trust uh, the Russell Westbrook experience when it comes to a playoff team. If this is indeed a playoff team, I, I, I don't think that we would be getting the same level of uh, efficiency and production from him in the playoffs because of how teams game plan for him. Um and then the second major part of that is that he is a $44 million contract that theoretically can bring you back to starting level players, at least money-wise. Um, and I think that it just makes more sense for this team to have two solid uh, starter level players or, or good role players over Westbrook, who um, as good as he is, I, I think you're always kind of just worried that that a few decisions and mistakes here are are gonna, you know, uh, uh, affect you and 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 kind of ruin your season. I think even <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter yesterday uh, uh, during the Kings game. He had a really really good game against the Kings, but he had some loud loud mistakes during a stretch where they were playing without LeBron and the Kings kind of made a, a little bit of a run. Um, and like those sort of runs and, and mistakes, it's, I, I don't want to like harp on them because obviously any player is capable of doing that, including LeBron. And, and it, it's not fair to really, uh, focus on a couple of mistakes when you're having such a great game, but those are the kinds of mistakes that, or, or plays that I, I think really kill you in the playoffs. And for that reason, I, I just don't really see the Lakers going very far, uh, in a playoff atmosphere if Westbrook is still an important part of the team. Kind of describes Russ's career though, doesn't it? A really, really good game with loud mistakes. Yeah. Like that's just who he is. And 
I mean, at his peak, it was, I mean, in some ways unparalleled how how good he was. But the mistakes have always been really loud with him. That's what's made him so polarizing. That's an interesting point that I I hadn't thought of in regards to the playoffs. And the Lakers have firsthand experience of how you can scheme Russ out of a series and... I mean, when they played the Rockets in the bubble, Russ was a complete non-factor in the, especially in the last, what four, three or four games of that series. Uh, that's how opposing teams are going to treat him, whether he's coming off the bench or what. He's going to be schemed out of games. He is, especially at this point in his career, when he was playing in Houston, he could kind of impact that by using his athleticism to get to the rim, things like that. It's gone. A lot of that athleticism has gone as we've seen this year. So I don't trust him in the playoffs, which might've, I mean, your point might've actually kind of swung me because I was leaning towards, maybe you're not actively shopping him. And instead you're trying to trade Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly as a package. It's, I mean, I would probably just be actively shopping all of those. <laughs> like yeah. that, would, that would be the, the main thing. I don't know that you need to go for the home run trade as much anymore. If, I mean, it's kind of funny. I thought of this as you were talking earlier, when we last spoke after that, getting walloped by the suns, we were <laughs> floating the idea of like, well, maybe they should trade off Lonnie Walker if this gets. Yeah. And so things have drastically improved. I don't know that you need to search for that home run trade as much anymore, which maybe that you consider that the buddy and miles trade. I still think, man, at this point that would be a, a, about as good as you can get. And there's a lot of reasons to really like that trade. Uh, I don't know that you need to go after that as much though. That being said, miles, reportedly turned down extension talks with the Pacers. What has happened in you in playing hardball this long is that that price has gone down. You're not as desperate. There's less time remaining on miles Turner Turner's contract. And, but at the same time, the Pacers are good and I don't know how much they actually want to tank, but still the, those types of deals, it isn't kind of boomer bust anymore. Like you can, find a different type of deal again i don't specifically know what that is maybe it's something with charlotte charlotte and indiana are playing as we um record this indiana won so yeah charlotte is in a really bad place (laughs) and the lakers have uh, seen that firsthand they're 11 and 30 yeah maybe it's something we know they've liked terry rozier maybe it's something around him and pj washington or some of the pieces there, um, whichever Martin is there, we can throw into that deal too. Yes, but please. The, the basis is it does. I don't feel like it has to be miles and buddy anymore, which I did feel that way earlier in the season that anything else just felt like a stopgap to where you were just kind of in this middling stretch and, you weren't really that good. You weren't really that bad. And that's kind of the worst place to be in the NBA. 
with the way they're playing now, with the way certain guys are playing now, I don't feel that as strongly. And as you said, I mean, a lot of that is due to the fact that the Lakers, again, we're recording this before the Clippers play tonight, but if the Clippers lose to Atlanta, the Lakers are one game back of the sixth seed. And even if they win, they're uh, two games back of the sixth seed or the fifth seed, even the Kings are in the fifth seat. So the Lakers very much in this race and it it just, it's a wild thing to think about how much they've been able to do without AD. I guess the question is as well, can they afford to wait out AD's return before they make a deal? Um. I guess it, it, it kind of depends. They're, they're obviously playing pretty well right now. They have a, a tough stretch of games coming up. Um, and I, I would say the competition in, in these last five games during this winning streak hasn't been amazing. Uh, so so there is a chance that, that they drop off a little bit uh, over this coming stretch. But I don't know that any trade they make right now would necessarily, I don't know, just just like, keep them afloat over that stretch anyway. Um, so I, I do think they can kind of wait it out a little bit. Maybe they make a smaller trade, like you said, a, a Beverly unknown package for some sort of like project wing that, that maybe plays a little bit better here than, than he does for whatever other team. Uh, Sounds I know, like, like you're describing Cam Reddish. Yeah. Like for, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to uh, bring up as an example, but I, I think that's kind of the, type of player that they would be able to get for for those two and, and maybe that that player gives them a little bit of uh, uh of a boost um kind of the same reason that that they signed like sterling brown um i i did i think see uh might have been eric pink has mentioned that they're probably going to get a hardship exception since they've had four players out so they'll be able to sign another 10-day uh player as well uh sometime soon so uh they will they will have some chances for reinforcements there. Uh, I was going to mention, especially about the Mouse Turner uh, sort of idea of a trade. I think in a way it kind of makes sense to wait for that, to see how AD and Thomas Bryant play together. Um, because I, I don't even know if, if them playing well together makes it more or less likely that the Lakers trade for Mouse Turner. Cause on one hand it, it shows you that AD and Mouse Turner could play together because pretty similar play styles, I would say. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, do, do you really need to trade for him if, if you already have like a, a, a discount version of him in Thomas Bryant? So I don't know, but it, it, it does kind of make sense to wait for that sort of trade. But uh, it, it really depends. Like if they're trading for, say, like Bogdanovich on the Pistons, uh, which apparently half the league is trying to trade for, so I'm going to assume that's not going to happen. But uh, then, yeah, I don't. you don't really need to wait for AD. Uh, at all but with certain trades I think that chemistry and, and the play styles possibly clashing and all of that is, is at least an interesting thing to to keep uh, in the back of their minds it's gonna be yeah that, I mean that's a fair point as well it'd be nice if Damian Jones just being a complete non-factor this season is as surprising as any almost any development I thought he was I was as as the resident Thomas Bryant stan. I was more certain, probably, at what I thought Damian Jones was going to bring to the table, 
than Thomas Bryant, mainly because he still had some concerns about coming back from injury and whatnot. Yeah. Damian Jones just not being able to play, even with AD out, is telling. <laughs> and I guess you can see why he was on 10 days and minimum deals and why the Kings were willing to let him go. To that point, since we're talking about it, what do you think of the Lakers working out Boogie at some point this week? And you mentioned they're probably going to have a hardship waiver. Would you use it on someone like him? Um, I mean, I'm not crazy about Boogie coming back. Uh, I think I would prefer that going to like a young, just like super active, energetic player because I think they just need those types of players over the course of a long season and, you know, just keeping the energy up uh, more so than a veteran who, you know, he's skilled. He has some experience playing with some of these guys. Um, He's been on the Lakers technically before. Uh, So, you know, I I don't hate the idea, but I don't really think he has much left to give, to be honest with you. And I don't think his play style really fits uh, what the Lakers need right now. Um, which is, I think, more of like that energetic uh, sort of profile that Damian Jones was supposed to bring or that Thomas Bryant does bring um, and even William Gabriel does bring. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I, I just don't really see that as too positive of a, of a move for the Lakers. Yeah, as I mentioned, every big man that they have played, is, uh, Thomas Bryant and William Gabriel, super energetic, high motor. And, I mean, it makes all – it makes sense in a number of ways that they're working out DeMarcus Cousins. LeBron and AD love him, basically, yeah. by all accounts. He was a very respected voice during that title season uh, before he was let go. He was somebody that would be willing to call them out in the locker room. And so, I, if nothing else, it's I, it's certainly kind of a favor to them to bring him in and to work him out and see what he's got. I didn't even realize the connection to Darvin Ham until Harrison wrote his piece. He played Boogie did under Darvin as an assistant in Milwaukee last year Hmm. until they cut him to let him go. So they didn't have to guarantee his contract, but Darvin was apparently a big, like he recruited him and was a big reason why he came to Milwaukee. So it's not surprising that he's getting a workout. If you look at what he did last season between Milwaukee and Denver, nine points, 5.6 rebounds in 15 minutes. Uh, but he shot 46% from the field and 30% from the three point line. He was on Denver during the playoffs, but he only played five games, 11.4 points. Um, he's, I don't know how much of a factor he is at that in the playoffs at this point. He did have 10 points against the Warriors in game five, um, 19 points in game six. So, I mean, there's something there a little bit, but there's a reason it is January 8th as we're recording this and he's unsigned. So we'll see. I don't mind using it on a big, I'd probably prefer a wing, but I mean, again, those don't exist or they would be signed at this point in the season. So uh, yeah. it, it, it's interesting to see how, how they'll approach that. 
extra uh, 10 day spot. Yeah, I, I was looking at uh, Gorgi Jang since the Spurs waived them, but apparently they just re signed him. So, so never mind. <laughs> but that was sort of that, that type of player that, that I was thinking that they might go after with a uh, second 10 day. Does Isaiah Thompson need a, or Thomas need a, uh, another chance to run it back and talk about how hard he's grinding or anything like that? I mean, uh, he would fit uh, the quota of being like under 6'4 and a guard, which the Lakers love. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll tweet about it. Maybe Jamal Crawford will too. Although I think he he is finally starting to see the light. Um, but but we'll see. Um. <laughs> there is looking at the top free agents right now. Um, you can bring back Mello. Staples Mello might get another run. I'm stunned they never signed Eric Bledsoe as a clutch guy. Uh, I'm happily surprised though. Like he is not good. But none of these guys listed on here are wings. So, like, Avery Bradley, I guess if uh, Frank Vogel isn't around, then he's not really an option anymore. If they trade Patrick Beverly, he, he can take a spot. One of those two needs to be on the roster at all times. Disagree. There are an astounding amount, not of just former Lakers in the last couple seasons, but last season's Lakers on this list of best available free agents. I mentioned Mello. Uh, DJ Augustine, Isaiah Thomas, Rondo, Wayne Ellington, um, Dwight Howard, <laughs> Avery Bradley. Basically half the roster last season uh, is free agents, and that shows you how bad the roster was last season. Yeah, but half but of those players I did not remember were Lakers last season. <laughs> I didn't either until I'm scrolling this list. So the list of available free agents is slim. Rodney Hood, maybe, if you really want to wing. Uh, although he's kind of a shell of himself since his injury a couple seasons ago. Outside of that, it's just a lot of guards or centers. And that isn't really... I mean, they can kind of use a center, but it's not... None of them fit the profile. Like, you're not bringing back Dwight Howard. He's Isn't he in Taiwan? Like... Yeah. absolutely destroying people right now like let yeah. him live his life over there i guess he's, he's having a fun time yeah so it'll be interesting to see what they do with this hardship waiver that they should be getting uh i think in two games so maybe at the end of this week uh i think they have to miss four games before uh they get the waiver so we'll we'll see but that's something to be looking forward to let's wrap this up as we always do next time we talk the Lakers will have finished uh, a game against the Sixers. They'll play at Denver tonight against Dallas at home on Thursday against the Sixers on Sunday. What do they go in those three games? That is a pretty tough stretch. Um, sorry, you said the next three games, right? We got the Nuggets, Mavericks, and Sixers. Um, you know what? I'll be optimistic this time, and I'll say they go two and one. Uh, I'll say they beat the Nuggets on Monday, and they beat the Seventy Sixers. Really, Dallas is the one they lose. Yeah, I, I was thinking two and one with beating Dallas and Philly, just because it feels like we never win in Denver. Um. There, I mean, there are a few specific occasions I can think of, but typically it doesn't feel like we win in Denver. I'm actually, whew, 
feels weird to be the pessimistic one here, but I think it might be one and two. They beat Dallas. They lose the other two games, which might bring them back down to earth a little bit. But it's still the fact that they're this close and kind of competing at this level right now with a, without AD is incredible. So hats off to the Lakers. Um, hats off to you guys for always tuning in and listening, not just to us, but to everybody in the network. Appreciate all the support you guys give us. But, but mostly guys, us. Yeah, typically <laughs> us. Um, us was me and Hani, not a collective us. Uh, <laughs> Hani and I will be back on next Sunday, so you can tune out until then. But <laughs> in case you don't want to, we'll have coverage for you throughout the week on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. So you guys can subscribe there. But for Hani, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone. Peace.